Well, today we begin a new series. And the new series is actually part of an overarching theme this year here at Summit Ridge. And the overarching theme that we are going to focus on this year is new beginnings. And so this morning, as we come to the passage that we're going to be looking at and the book that we're going to be starting, I hope that you are excited to hear what God has to say to you uh, in this message. And more importantly, through his word today. And I don't know about you, but man, when I think of the idea of new beginnings, I, I don't know about you, but for this past year and maybe even a little part of this year, 2021, I, I, there's been a part of me that has been saying, can we just wipe the slate clean? Can we just start fresh? Is that even possible to even have a new beginning, particularly from the year that we came from and the year that we're going into and how this year is kind of starting out? Can we just have like an enormous, like big do over? Well, this morning, as we start this new theme and importantly, this new series through the book of Genesis, it's going to be so crucial and so important for us to understand where we came from, how we were created, and more importantly, why we were created and who created us. And that understanding those questions, understanding the answer to those questions will help us to understand, is it even possible in this life to have a new beginning? Is it even possible for us to start fresh, to start anew, to start over? Is it even possible? And so as we start this new year with this new theme of new beginnings, and in this book of Genesis in which we are going to be spending the next several weeks going through, And I'm just excited because I think in understanding, and I hope that today as we look at today's passage in Genesis, that we will know that in fact it is possible for us to have a new beginning. It is possible for us to start fresh. It is possible for us to have a do-over. And that's why it's so important for us to know our creation story, to know where it is, where we came from to know why, to know who, and all of those other things. And so that's why this morning we are going to start right at the beginning. We are going to start right in the book of Genesis. Now, if you have a Bible with you, I'd encourage you to take that out. If you have your phone on you, you may want to go to your Bible app. Uh, And quite frankly, Genesis is the easiest book to find. It's after the table of contents is the very first book there. And we're going to be landing this morning in Genesis 1 and 2. And we're not going to be able to get through all in detail of both these chapters, but hopefully, um, as we go through today, we're going to be able to touch on some really important things to find out why it is that we can have new beginnings, why it is that it is possible that no matter how bad things may be, whether it is in our country or in our world or even in our own lives, that because of understanding and knowing how we were created Knowing our creation story, I believe it's possible for us to have a new beginning. And so we are going to explore that this morning as we go through the book of Genesis. Now, for many of us, this is a very familiar passage. Many of us have heard this passage. Many of us know this passage. Even if you don't even know the scriptures, chances are you know this passage. You know what the creation story is. But nonetheless, I think today we need to, uh, again, refresh ourselves with this story and hopefully maybe gain a little bit more insights into this story that maybe we did not have 
uh, prior to today. So that's why we're going to look at this story. And that's why we are starting off this year with new beginnings. And in fact, the title of today's message is A New Beginning. One of the things I love about A New Beginning is this past week, uh, or actually the past couple of weeks, is that I'm kind of a tech guy, as many of you know. And one of the things that I kind of splurged a little bit on is I got myself a new e-reader. But what is so cool about this e-reader is that it actually, I can write notes on it. I can actually write notes on this e-reader, and it's really kind of cool to be able to do that. But if I do something that I write something that is illegible, or I didn't want to write that, or I wanted to pick a different word, or I mess up or something like that, I love that this thing, all I have to do is either turn the stylus up, you know, the other way and erase it, or actually just put a dotted thing around it, circle around the word, and it immediately disappears. And I get to write it over again, hopefully better the second time. Well, this morning as we come to this passage, I think it's important for us to know why new beginnings are possible. And so we're going to start right off here with Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, and it starts off with this simple but familiar phrase. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, I could... We're going to stop here, and I could spend the rest of the message just focused on this one verse, because there is so much packed into this. And let me just say this, when we come to a creation story, whether it's in the scriptures or some other creation story that's out there, and by the way, there are many creation stories, ideas of how everything came into existence, of how we as human beings came into existence. There's always two very important questions we need to ask of any creation story, and that is who and why. Who did this and why? These, these two questions are more important than the questions that are oftentimes asked of creation stories. That is, what and when. Not to say that those two questions aren't important, but they're just, in my opinion, not as important as the first two. Who and why? And so using those two questions of who and why as a guide, we know right off from the bat here who created. And that is God created the heavens and the earth. God created the heavens and the earth. Right away we know who did this, and that was God. And right away we know who at least God is, and that at the very least from this verse is that he is the creator. He is the creator. Now, let me delve in a little bit science-wise about what is so significant as a part of this verse as well. It's interesting. A guy by the name of Herbert Spencer in 1820 kind of put forward categories of how we can know things. That is, he determined that everything that exists fits into one of five categories. And the five categories are these. Time, force, action, space, and matter. Time, force, action, space, and matter. He said everything that is knowable can be fit into at least one of these five categories of time, force, action, space, and matter. And it was hailed when he came up with this as just an incredible scientific breakthrough. It was He got many accolades and even several awards for this observation. Here's the thing. The Bible had already covered this right in the first verse of Genesis 1. Think about it. 
In the beginning, that's time. God, that's the force. Created, that's the energy. The heavens, that's the space. And the earth, that's the matter. Right there, we have the five categories as specified or identified by Spencer of being able to know things. The scripture already covered it right in that first verse. And here's the thing is that right here, we know in this first verse that God created everything, which is why if you can accept Genesis 1, 1, you can accept everything else that comes afterwards in the scriptures. You can accept everything else that comes afterwards in in the scriptures. God's existence, his miraculous work in creating and sustaining the earth and the universe, and all of that. If you can accept this one verse, the rest of the Bible, you can accept. That's why this one verse is so powerful. It is so important for us to grasp that right here, in the beginning... And in fact, the word Genesis literally means origins. And what we will find in this book of Genesis is that we have the origins of several important things as a result of this. We have the origin of creation and the universe. We have the origin of people. We have the origin of marriage. We have the origin of sin. We have the origin of redemption. We have the origin of the creation of Israel. All of these things are identified in the book of Genesis. That's what Genesis means origin. And so right off the bat, if we can accept and believe even this first verse, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The rest of the Bible is much easier to believe. You can believe the rest of the Bible if you accept this first verse. Now, I realize that there are differences of opinion when it comes to the creation story, and I don't want to delve too much into this because this gets into the what And when? There are many who believe that obviously we may have evolved. And I understand why people may accept that. I do not accept that as a way that we just simply evolved. It is just simply too high of a hill for me to believe in. It is as though saying that all of a sudden the mountains that we see around us, that all of a sudden by some miracle they just suddenly appeared because of the right amount of gases and molecules and everything else just came together at the right time And then, boom, there it appeared. It's just too high of a hill for me to believe. Regardless, the who here is God. And right away, we know that God is a creator. Now, here is the context in which he created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. The context in which the universe and the earth and the heavens were created was a context in which there was nothingness. There was a void. There was, even as the Hebrew kind of alludes to, chaos. And even there, darkness. In other words, in the midst of all that, God created. Almost And absolutely, from nothing, God created the heavens and the earth. That's what the context is in which God created everything we see and know today. Was came out of nothingness, out of a void, out of chaos, or out of darkness. And I don't know about you, but 
Talk about a powerful thing. Talk about a way of understanding a new beginning. Is that if God can create something from nothing, or if God can create the world and the heavens and the earth out of darkness, out of chaos, out of nothingness, out of a void, imagine what God can and does do in our own lives. If you're sitting here today and you're wondering and you're looking at all of the chaos and the darkness and all of the just the absolute um, kind of just unbelievable violence in many ways and stresses and all that kind of stuff that we are experiencing in our country, in our world. Know this. It is out of that exact kind of environment that our earth and heavens were created. And guess what? God can do it again and does do it again. He makes new beginnings out of what seems to be hopeless situations. And here's the thing I love about this verse is that the whole time that this was there, the darkness and the void and the chaos, is that the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. God was present. God was there. He was moving. And let me say this. You yourself might be in a period of your life right now where it is a dark time, where it is a chaotic time. And you might be thinking, is there any way to have a new beginning? And I want to encourage you today, if you hear nothing else from this message, that yes, I believe God is right there. His spirit is hovering. His spirit is moving. And because of that, he is going to and can make a new beginning. He can create out of what seems to be an incredibly hopeless situation. A new beginning is possible, no matter how bad things may be. A new beginning is absolutely possible. And we see that right here in the first two verses of Genesis. The first two verses of Genesis. We see this here. It is unbelievable. And if God can create our world and universe and with all of the beauty and awe that is within it, I believe God can do the same right now in our world, in our country, and in our lives. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Because I think that is just great hope that no matter how bad things get, God can make a new beginning. God can create something new and beautiful out of it. That's a beautiful thing. And so out of these two verses, the who, we know right away who God is. God is eternal. God is creator. God is self-sufficient and self-sustaining. And as we see through the rest of this chapter in chapter 1, God shows the order and the detail in which he created the heavens and the earth. And what is so phenomenal about this is that he spoke these things into existence. We see from the rest of the chapter that he speaks in light. He speaks in waters. He speaks in uh, the creation of things and animals within the water and on the land. He speaks in trees and speaks in the sun and the moon. He speaks in the stars and all of that he speaks into, and it's done in a very orderly fashion. And it is 
absolutely beautiful and gorgeous. But what is so unique about this creation story is as he's speaking these things in existence and as he is doing this in a very orderly fashion, out of chaos, out of darkness, we come to verse 26. And this is where it concerns you and I, every single human being. And God says this. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. Now think about that for just a minute. And I never get tired of just how just unbelievable this is. Here is God, the eternal creator, the self-sustainer, the self-sufficient God. He creates human beings in his own image. He doesn't simply speak us into existence. No, no. When he comes to human beings in creating you and I, there is something very different about what he is doing here. And what he is doing here is not just merely speaking us into existence, but now says we are going to create man and woman in our image. Interesting, our image. Who is the our here? Obviously, there are several different ideas of who the our is, but more likely what the hour is here, in which most theologians tend to believe, and I do as well, is that the hour refers to the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We've already seen all three here in the creation story, even in the first two verses. There was God, the Father. This Holy Spirit was hovering over, and then God speaks into existence light, animals, the waters, the sun, the moon, the stars, and that speaking is the Son. John 1, one. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. Everything that has been made was made through Jesus. In other words, Jesus is that Word. When God spoke, that is Jesus working and going and creating. Right there in, these first, in this first chapter, we see the presence of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And out of all of that, he says, we will make man in our image. And that's what God does. And right here, we can have an understanding of who we are. We are children of God. We are God image bearers. We are God image bearers. Bearers. God created us in his image. And he did that because he loves us. He loves us. In fact, this is why he created us. He created us. He created the heavens and the earth because he loves us. The late theologian and writer Thomas Akempis early church father in many ways, said this, 
To say that I am made in the image of God is to say that love is the reason for my existence. For God is love. Martin Luther said this. The more a person loves, the closer he approaches the image of God. Think about that. Right here in this first chapter, in these verses, we now know who God is. We now have an idea of who we are. And now we have also an idea of why he created us and why he created the heavens and the earth. And that was because of his love. Not that he needed to be loved, but rather to love. In fact, after he created man and woman, verse 28 of chapter 1, God says this. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Then God said, behold, I have given you every plant Yielding seed that is on the surface of all the earth and every tree which has fruit yielding seed and it shall be food for you and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the sky and to everything that moves on the earth which has life. I have given every green plant for food and it was so. Guess what? Vegetables are a God given thing. They just are. Sorry. You might not like vegetables. Sorry. It's a God-given thing. Eat your vegetables. Every plant is given for us for food. And God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. It was very good. I mean, that's a beautiful thing, is that he created us because he loves us. He created us not to be loved, but rather to love. And in addition to understanding that we are made in his image, we are now therefore understanding what that means to be made in his image. We are given dominion over the earth. We are given the responsibility to care for his creation. We are given the responsibility to rule over that which he has created for our enjoyment and for his glory. That's why We are here. That's why he created all of this so that we could enjoy it, so that we could know that how much he absolutely loves us. That's the beautiful thing about this creation. Even today is that we can always know that God loves us, that he absolutely loves us. And here's the thing is that we can always be reminded of that love because of his creation. John Calvin, a late, you know, reformed pastor and theologian, said this. There is not one blade of grass. There is no color in this world that is not, that is not intended to make us rejoice. The late Russian author Dostoevsky wrote this. I don't know how one can walk by a tree and not be happy at the sight of it. How can one talk to a man and not be happy in loving him? Oh, it's only that I'm not able to express it. And what beautiful things there are at every step that even the most hopeless man must feel to be beautiful. 
Look at a child. Look at God's sunrise. Look at the grass, how it grows. Look at the eyes that gaze at you and love you. Let me say this, and I think there's an important truth to grasp here. If you are feeling right now unloved, if you are feeling as though you are not worthy, if you are feeling as though you are alone and no one cares about you, that you are not in any way valued, here's what I would recommend you do, even shortly after this message, after this worship service. Go take a walk outside. Outside. Go and walk outside and look at the sky, look at the mountains, look at the trees, marvel at the birds and, and, and the wildlife that is out there. Spend time talking with someone else who you love to be with and who loves to be with you. Spend time with that person or persons. Or even do this. And this may be the hardest one of all. Look in the mirror. Look in the mirror at yourself. All of these things and so much more is a reminder. God loves you. God loves me. God loves all of us. And his creation not only glorifies him, but communicates to us how much he loves us. I was reminded of this just in a beautiful way a couple of weeks ago when I was hiking with some members of my family that were in town, and we went to Gates Pass, and we got to spend the sunset there at Gates Pass, and I had never done that before. And all this time I've been in Tucson, I've never spent sunset at Gates Pass. If you ever get the opportunity, you need to go do that. But I want to show you a picture that I took, and this is just one of many pictures that I took of Gates Pass at the sunset. And I'll be honest with you, the picture doesn't do it justice. It was more beautiful than the picture that is displayed right now to you is showing. But do you know what is most important in that picture? In addition to just the unbelievable beauty of that sunset and the colors and the radiance as the sun is going down behind the backdrop of the mountains there, is more importantly is the message that it is communicating, which until that point, until I studied this passage, I did not fully grasp, but maybe even not fully grasp yet, but at least have some sense of it now, and it's this. Dan, I love you. Is what God was speaking to me. Dan, I love you in that sunset. Dan, I love you. And not only that, I believe God was speaking to every single person who was there. And there were many people who were there that night. I love you all. I love you all. If we've ever doubted whether or not we are loved... By God. All we need to do is step out into His creation. All we need to do is look out at His creation. All we need to do is even look at our very selves. All we need to do is spend time with other people. Even from the almost kind of forgettable blade of grass, or in this case, dirt here in Tucson. We are reminded constantly of how much God loves us. His creation speaks of it. It's a constant reminder. I love you. I love you. 
I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. God loves you and I. And we are constantly reminded of it. That's a beautiful thing. This is our creation story. And Genesis 2 even goes in further detail, highlighting how much he loves us. In Genesis 2, verses 4 through 9, it says this. This is the account of the heavens and the earth. And by the way, this again takes place after on the seventh day God rested. Now, the reason why God rested isn't because he was exhausted from creating the heavens and the earth. No, he rested because he had done everything he wanted to do. And now he rested and could enjoy all that he created. And it's after this that we get a little bit more detail. That after the heavens and the earth were created, and when they were created, in the day that the Lord made earth and heaven, no shrub of the field was yet on the earth, and no plant of the field had yet sprouted. For the Lord God had not sent rain upon the earth, and there was no man to cultivate the ground. But a mist used to rise from the earth and water the whole surface. Then the Lord formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. Think about that. Every single one of us has the Spirit of God in us. Every single one of us has God's Spirit. Every single one of us, whether you know Jesus Christ personally or not, you are an image bearer of God himself. You have within yourself His Spirit that sustains you right now. Here's a freaky thing to do. Just for a moment. Think about this. Right at this very moment, God is sustaining you and me. Just in the quietness of this, and I'm going to stop talking just a minute to give you an opportunity to kind of just listen to this. In the quiet of the moment, I want you to listen to your heart beating. I want you to listen to you taking in breath and exhaling breath. And understand that although we don't think about that normally, we just go about our day, the very fact that our hearts continue to pump blood, the very fact that our lungs continue to take in air and exhale, the very fact that we have our eyes opened and our, you know, our ears listening and our minds attuned, that is an unbelievable miracle of life itself, and all of it is made because God sustained us. So just a few moments, moments here. Let's just do that. In the quietness of this moment, listen to your heartbeat. Listen to yourself take in air and exhale. God is sustaining you and I at this very moment. His spirit is in us. The life giver has given his spirit. He has breathed into us his spirit, and we are alive because of it. And he continues to sustain us even now. Verse 8, And the Lord planted a garden toward the east in Eden, and there he placed the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God caused to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food. And the tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Obviously, we know that those two trees will play an important role in here in just a little bit. But for right now, understand this. 
God loves us so much that when he created us, he put us in paradise. That everything in this garden that he placed us in was made for our sustenance, for us to enjoy, for us to be able to eat off of and to have life. It was beautiful. Now, obviously, we know that that's not how the story ends up being. But for right now, rest in this. This is our creation story. This is how we came into being. A God who is self-sustaining. A God who is all-powerful. A God who is eternal. Who nothing created him. Creates us, the universe and the earth, out of chaos, out of darkness. And not only that, speaks things into existence. And not only that, forms each of us, you and I, uniquely and breathes into each and every one of us his spirit and sustains us and has put us at this time in a place where we can enjoy all that he has created. That is a beautiful thing. That is a beautiful thing. So not only do we know who God is, but through this we also know who we are. We are image bearers of God. We have been given traits that God has. Traits such as being able to rule and have dominion over things. But not only that, we've been given traits of the same things that God can do. Multiply. That means being able to create. That we could go out and create things. And obviously we can't create the exact same way that God created out of nothingness or out of chaos and void in the way that God could do it. But nonetheless, we have been given this ability to create to be able to create unbelievable things. And we oftentimes think of, yes, by going out and, and making children and, and populating the earth, and certainly that's an important part of it. But even more than that, we can create unbelievable things, things like music, things like art, and, and more than that, we can create things like technology that can make our lives even easier or more of a headache, depending upon who you are and where you line up with that. I understand. But nonetheless, we have the minds to be able to do this sort of thing. We have the minds to be able to be able to advance in medical technology and for us to extend life and to cure diseases and to do all this sort of thing to help people be able to have food and clean water and and have proper ways of disposing of waste and trash and all this kind of stuff. It's unbelievable. These are God given traits and gifts. And if we don't understand that, we can be so easily tempted to think, well, it all happened by an accident. It all happened by chance. The reason why I'm this way is because my parents were smart or because I just had lucky genes or whatever else. Absolutely not. The reason why we're this way is because we are image bearers of God. Now, here's the other thing that we were made for. As God, in his image, we are made. And we find this near the end of... Chapter 2 in Genesis. And this is a really important part of the creation story. And it says this. Then the Lord God said, as Adam was formed and walking around the garden and looking at all the things that God had created for him and being able to name the animals, the first zoologist ever in the history of humanity was Adam going out and naming the, naming the animals and everything else. Um, he says this. God noticed this. It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper. Now, suitable for him. Now, let me say this. The word helper here is, in some ways, for some theologians, and I happen to agree with them, kind of a weak word. It is not exactly accurate to say helper here. More or less, it is someone of equal 
value and responsibility. Not just simply a helper, a partner. That might be more accurate of a word here. Not just simply a helper, but a partner. And so, verse 19. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was his name. And the man gave names to all the cattle and the birds of the sky and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper or a partner suitable for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. In fact, in other words, it's really interesting. The animals seem to have each other, um, but Adam did not have someone for himself. And so God put a sleep on the man and he slept. And then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh and at that place. The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought to her and brought her to the man. And the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of a man. And for this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. I'll talk about that in just a little bit. But for right now, I want to focus on this. Is that all of a sudden now, Adam didn't just simply had a helper. He had a partner. A partner who was exactly like him. A partner who was of equal value like him. A partner who was like him created in God's image. That's how Adam and Eve came to be. In other words, we get another sense of who we are as image bearers of God. Is that we need to be and are created to be in community with one another. Is that we are created to not be alone. We are created to have a relationship. That's what we need. We were created to not be alone. As God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are in community with each other. So we as image bearers of Jesus, image bearers of God himself, are created to be in community with each other. Whether it is in marriage or in any other relationship. We are not meant to be alone. And so Adam and Eve had each other. And they were one flesh. Not only do we see here the advent of marriage and the concept of a man and a woman coming together as one, but we see the importance of community and of being together in a general sense. And here is the other reality, verse 25. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Were not ashamed. Not only were they not ashamed to be naked in front of each other, But more importantly, they did not live in shame before God himself. Think about that. Adam and Eve were not ashamed to be in God's presence. They were not ashamed or fearful to be in God's presence. What kind of a relationship must that have been like? That they could exist in God's presence and not feel any shame For who they were. Oh, we know how this story goes. 
And next week, Pastor Eric will take us through chapter 3, which is an incredibly important passage. And I'm not spoiling anything. We live in the reality of chapter 3 today. But here's the thing. Understanding this creation story and understanding how you and I came to be, who came to be to put us into existence, and why we came into existence, determines or largely impacts or greatly impacts our life and what life is all about and what can it be about and where we are meant to be. You see, where we are today, we as followers of Jesus Christ know that this is not where we are meant to be. We know that this is not the end of the story. How do we know this? Because of the creation story. How do we know that it's going to be much better, that we are going to be back in paradise? How do we know that it's going to get better? How do we know that where we are today doesn't end this way? Because of the creation story. We are here. And we have hope. Because we know who created us. We know why we were created. And because of that, we know where it's all going and where it's going to end up. We know where our lives are going to end up. And it's going to end up back in this garden. It's going to end up back in a new creation in which, once again, we will be in a relationship with God and with one another and have no shame. I love what Pastor Timothy Keller says about the gospel. And this is what is the beauty of the gospel and how it takes that creation story and everything that starts in Genesis and just uniquely summarizes it and brings it to fruition through Jesus Christ. And Timothy Keller says this, the gospel is simply this. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. And yet, at the very same time, We are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we had ever dared hope. If you are here this morning, I want you to know this. I want you to embrace this creation story. Out of all the ones that are out there, there is none like this. There is none like this which reveals God in his fullness and reveals us in our fullness in relationship to God. There is no creation story that gives an adequate, unbelievable answer as to why we were created than this creation story does. There is no other creation story, in my opinion, that gives us greater hope that we can all have a new beginning because of what this creation story says where we came from. Who created us and why we were created and why it is possible even now for us to have new beginnings. And I want you to know today that if you embrace this creation story, that it is possible to have a new beginning. It is possible that if you are right now in your life and you are in a dark place, a dark time, a chaotic time, and you think, is there any way that I can turn my life around? Is there any way that our country can be better? Is there any way that our world can be better? And the answer to that question is absolutely yes. You can turn your life around. Your life can be different. You can start over. You can have a new beginning. You can have new life. Our country 
can turn itself around. Our country can be made anew. Our world can be turned around. Our world can be transformed and have and begin anew. It is absolutely possible. Why do I know this? Because of who created us and why he created us. So this morning, I want you to know this. Based on this creation story, you and I are children of God. You and I are not accidents. You and I are not forgotten. You and I are not invaluable. Quite the opposite. We are loved more than we could possibly ever imagine. Ever imagine. And if you've ever gone out to nature and you've just been awed at the sight of a sunset or a sunrise, awed at the sight of a majestic mountain, awed at the sight of waterfalls, and awed at the sight of wildlife that you normally wouldn't see, and you're just like, wow, and your mouth is agape, and you have no words to describe what you are seeing because you are just in awe of it all. Understand this. You yet do not fully realize how much God loves you. That is only a taste of how much he loves you and I. We are so loved. We are so loved. And God created everything on heaven and on earth, including us, so that he could just demonstrate to all of us how much he loves us. And in doing so, be glorified, be revealed for who he really is. Man, I don't know about you, but that gives me incredible hope that no matter how much things have gotten bad or how worse maybe we think that things could get, there's always hope for a new beginning. There's always hope for a do-over. There's always hope for life to begin again. And my hope is that you all embrace this creation story and in doing so, Embrace the God who loves us. Embrace the God who created us, Jesus Christ. And embrace the good news that life will be made new. Let's pray. Jesus, the work you did in creating this world, creating the heavens and the earth, I am just in awe. I, I, I just cannot believe fully why. I mean, I know why, but it's just, it's just awe-inspiring, Jesus. I pray, Father, that we would never forget this story. That we would never forget the reason why we were created that we would never forget who created us. Jesus, I pray that we would know even today how much you love us and that our hearts would be turned towards you and we would embrace you even more, Jesus. Thank you for making us. Thank you for creating us in your image. Thank you for making this world warts and all, Jesus. And I just pray for every single one of us That we would take comfort in knowing that no matter how bad things may be right now, we know and can take comfort in knowing 
that it will not end this way. That you are working to bring new life, even now. Even in our own lives, in our own country, and in this world. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.